Welcome to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Kiseitsei Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Kiseitsei. Our parasha as a whole has 110 psukim, but our individual Aliyah is 12 of those psukim, running from Perak Chof Aleph, Yud to Chof Aleph. The topic of our Aliyah is a series of unfortunate events. We hear about three different topics in our Aliyah, the first of which is what's called Eishes Yafas To'ar, a woman who is found at the times of war. We're told that when you go out to war against your enemy and you bring back captors, you may see a captive woman who is a pretty lady and you desire her and have a relationship with her. In such a case, you must bring her to your home, have her gr- uh, shave her hair, let her nails grow, and she is to remove the dress of her captivity and stay in your home for 30 days in order that the marriage can go forward. If at such time you do not want to marry her, she must be sent off for herself and you may not sell her, you may not treat her as a slave or, or have her work for you. That's the, the first topic of what's called the woman in war. The next topic is the man of two wives. So we know this is talking at a time when the polygamy is allowed and a man is married to two wives. One he hates and one he loves. Sounds a very, very difficult, very difficult situation um, that is created by such a relationship. The child that is born first is a child from the senua, from the hated wife or the less appreciated wife. And the, the, when it comes to giving the firstborn right, which is the double portion, the Torah tells us that he needs to recognize, he needs to give the double portion to the firstborn, the true biological firstborn, who is the one of the less preferred wife, even though it is, it is not his favorite wife's child who was first. That's the second topic in the Aliyah. And the third topic is what's called Ben Sorer Umore, a wayward and rebellious child. Her person will have a wayward and rebellious child. We're told that this child does not listen to his father nor his mother. The father and mother will bring him to the elders of the city and present him, explaining that he is a drunkard and a, glut, uh, a drunkard and a glutton. And the city will stone such a child and remove evil from your midst. And the people will hear and fear because of this experience. That's a basic summary of the Aliyah. Three very dramatic experiences. Let's try to understand each of them in their own context. First point to ponder is, does the Torah not want or not want this whole episode of your fast of this woman being married in through war? Rashi says, no, the Torah does not. The Torah is giving a dispensation in a post facto situation where the Torah, this mitzvah is not what the Torah wants to do, but what the Torah allows to do in such a situation. So while contemplating this Rashi, and thinking about the educational lesson here, on the one hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu realizes that people are frail. This is the battle. This is a very complicated place. And it sounds like the practice in those days with the, where the young ladies on the other side would, uh, w- would try to bring this upon them, dress up specially when, when it came to battle. Very difficult. Um, in such circumstances, morality becomes a little bit blurred in those situations. So Torah doesn't ignore this reality, but rather the Torah reckons with it. And the Torah say allows one relationship, but there afterwards the Torah says, slow it down. If you're caught in the, in the midst of, of, of indulgence and you, you need to do something, all the Torah says is, slow it down, take time, see what she really looks like the night after, See what uh, beneath the veneer of what it was that she was trying to, the image that she was projecting of herself. Is there anything to talk about? Do you have any shared ideas, value systems or future for this to be a life partner? That's what the Torah seems to be saying over here. So it's not a commandment. It's relating to the very difficult mire and muck of real life, of real war. The second question is, is how can the Torah 
um, when it comes to uh, the, the 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 second section, is the Torah seems to give so much time to this really unusual situation of isha ahuvan isha snua, the hate the loved and hated wife. What is going on over here? The Rabbi David Foreman actually points out that the word Sanua hated only appears one other time in the Torah, and that refers to a wife who was a co-wife as well. Her name was Leah. She was hated um, compared to Rachel. Radak says it doesn't mean that she was hated. It means to say she was not the preferentially loved person. She felt hated because of that rela- because of the relation, because of the relationship of that relation. Um, to her sister Rachel. So, and if you actually read the words, there's a number of words which are shared in commonality with that whole section of Rachel and Leah. What's interesting as well is that the idea of the, even the words Reshis Oni, when Yaakov Vina describes Reuven in the firstborn of Leah, that's the real firstborn. He was the Reshis Oni, which is the words that the Torah uses over here. Almost as if the Torah here in Devarim is criticizing or giving us a perspective on the Yaakov episode of his two wives and his two children. And what's fascinating is that he did have a child, a firstborn, from his loved wife, that's Rachel, and the child whose name was Yosef. And he did give that child the double portion. He gave him a second coat, the Kersones Pasim. Um, almost as if Yaakov was overriding this idea in the Torah that the real biological firstborn should take the firstborn right. Which is why when the children of Yaakov sell Yosef and they bring back his coat and they turn to Yaakov, they say, Hakerno, Hakasonis bincha, is this your the coat of your, your son? What they're really answering is, is the act, they're using the words which are here in this parasha, which is, Yakir, you should recognize the firstborn. Almost as if to say that what they really wanted to say to Yaakov was, you have overlooked the children who are really your firstborns before this child. Don't project your relationship with Rachel and Leah into the second generation to ignore those who are your firstborn children. It's almost as if the Torah is warning us of the danger of preferential treatment, which the Gemara in Sota already expands on. Is Be very careful because of the terrible amount of angst and pain that this kind of relationship causes. So it's almost as if this section in Devarim is a commentary on the many parashiyos and sefer barashas. Um, now, in the last section of this aliyah is, it describes killing this young child, but why would you kill somebody so young? He, he hasn't acted in a criminal way yet. So more in Sanhedrin, as Rashi quotes, goes to great length as to what really is going on over here. He has already stolen and he's displayed his drunkenness and his glutton, gluttony in various ways. And the Torah, Yorda Lesov Datishal Adam knows where he's going to end up. He's going to have to carry on supporting his habit and his indulgences will come to end up stealing and then he'll run out of his, he'll steal his parents' money and then ultimately he'll end up going to, re- resorting to murder because of the bad crowds he gets into to support his habit. It's almost like the drug, you know, direction where there's sort of no way out really, or in this way. Now, did this ever happen? The Gemara Sanhedrin says, according to the most of the sages, it never did. Rabbi Yo- and there was another sage, Rabbi Yochanan, who said, yes, it did, and he actually recalled sitting on the mound of the burial of one of these children. But if that's the case, then how could it be? Let's say, according to most of the sages, that Ben Sorero More never, ever occurred in history. If that's the case, then why would the Torah say, that everybody should take note of this experience if the Torah knows that it never will happen? So I've, I heard from Rav Shapiro, used to be the Rosh Hashiva of Merkaz Rav, very beautiful idea, that history will play itself out, that there will never be such a child. Which means to say, well, we'll learn from the absence of this event in history, that this is simply a legal fiction, we will learn that there will never be a child who's beyond the point of no return. What history will teach us is that this idea will remain a legal fiction, and there will never be a child who we can ever predict uh, by, de- by definition will go to an irreversible path in life. And that's the lesson we're supposed to be learning. The lesson that things can change.
Finally, one last question, that is, why are all these three things put back to back in our Aliyah? So Rashi points out that Avera, Gorera, Savera, and one negative action leads to another negative consequence. And if a person is going to marry a woman based on the desires he experiences in war, it's probably going to lead to a difficult marriage. And therefore, even though he may have a first child from that marriage, it's not going to be a, a ideal marriage. It's not going to be an ideal child raising. And unfortunately, the third section of the Aliyah is if you're going to, if you're going to have a child born into such a circumstance, into such a complicated family situation, it's very likely the child will also sense that they were rejected, sense that there was not something not right, and that child will rebel even from a young age, even though they're becoming a young teenager. So these are three sections which are unfortunately the consequences, not punishments, but the consequences of a life led in such an indulgent way. With this, we close the first uh, um, Aliyah of Parashat's Kisayats. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.